I'm Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, and this is the Manufacturing Report. It would require the Customs and Border Patrol to do a more diligent job of collecting data. In some cases, there are packages that weigh 500 pounds that declare a value of a dollar. I mean, it's just ludicrous. There's been a lot of debate lately about the app known as TikTok, its Chinese ownership, privacy concerns, its impact on teenagers. Well, there are a couple of other apps of Chinese origin out there that have also raised concerns. Xi'an and Timu, these are companies that sell directly to American consumers. They're two of the leading downloaded apps on Android and Apple, and they've had a profound impact on American consumers, on American retailers, and it seems like they're exploiting a loophole in our trade laws known as de minimis. Now, de minimis is a jargony term, but we're going to break it down today and talk about why it's important. And to do that, we're bringing in Congressman Earl Blumenauer. Congressman Blumenauer has represented Portland, Oregon in the Congress since 1996. He's a champion, among other things, of bicycling and the environment. He's also the ranking Democratic member of the Subcommittee on Trade of the Ways and Means Committee and the author of legislation known as the Import Security and Fairness Act that would address this de minimis loophole. He joins us next on the Manufacturing Report. Congressman Blumenauer, welcome to the Manufacturing Report. My pleasure. Great. So let's talk a little bit about the legislation that you and some of your colleagues have introduced and an issue you've been focused on for a few years now, and that is de minimis. And with any Latin term or trade term, it probably bears out an explanation so people can understand. So what is the problem that has been unpacked here with the de minimis law or rule? Well, de minimis used to be a process by which somebody who traveled overseas uh, would not be tripped up filing customs reports or a bottle of perfume or you know a handbag or something it was de minimis was just that it was it was a minimal amount it wasn't worth the time and energy for the person and it was more trouble than it was worth for the federal government customs and border patrol but that changed and it changed dramatically uh, in 2016, when Congress raised the threshold, which had previously been $200, which was pretty high, to $800. And what we've seen is an explosion in direct sales to American consumers under the de minimis provisions if they are shipped directly for under $800. They're exempt from taxes, tariffs, following rules and regulations, product safety, forced labor, they're all exempt. And that's resulted in an explosion, over 2 million packages a day. The Customs and Border Patrol has no idea what's coming in, although we have a pretty good idea based on the fact that most of it's from China, and we know they pay fast and loose uh, dealing with our intellectual property protections, forced labor issues, product safety. Um, it's uh, a situation where the this 
de minimis provision has turned into massive loophole. But it's already over 2 million packages a day with no end in sight. So it sounds like there is, in effect, a cottage industry that's more than a cottage. Clearly, it's it's massive that has taken advantage of this and has found that they can do these direct shipments to American consumers. And so it seems to be unfair because, as you point out, there's no inspection of these like there might be for regular imports coming in. There's no tariffs if there are tariffs applied. And so in some sense, this skews the playing field for retailers and others who are going through normal channels. Absolutely. It disadvantages American-made products and American businesses. And it allows these folks to have a direct pipeline to the American consumer for products under $800. And what we're seeing is that there has just been an explosion in terms of using platforms to ship vast quantities. It's not even the $800 threshold. There are some of these companies that are willing to be creative in the invoicing. They work to get it under $800. Then you see what's had the ready-made-to-order cheap apparel that uh, is just uh, developed into a major industry. We're, we're approaching three-quarters of a, of a billion products a year, and it is overwhelmed Customs and Border Patrol, even if they wanted to do something, they, they couldn't. Uh, we have pretty simple legislation. We would require that we would deny the access to the de minimis provisions for countries that are not a market economy and which are on the watch list. Currently, that's China. Our legislation would require the Customs and Border Patrol to get more information about these de minimis provisions. I mean, we're having examples of exploding e-bike batteries uh, causing fires in the States. This has promoted sales of e-bikes that are $799. And again, they don't have to meet any consumer product safety provisions. And we just think that that is unfair and dangerous. So our provisions would prohibit those that are a non-market economy on the watch list, as I said, that right now is China, which sends us the majority of de minimis provisions. And it would require the Customs and Border Patrol to do a more diligent job of collecting data. And now we think if we stop having a gusher of product from China, there's less of a pressure on the Customs and Border Patrol. It would cut out a significant amount of this product so that they can catch up with where they need to be. There are examples where, uh, in some cases, there are packages that weigh 500 pounds that declare a value of a dollar. I mean, it's just ludicrous. There's no excuse for it. Our legislation would change that. We're watching more support in the House mobilized. Senator Rubio came out this week in support of legislation like ours.
Yeah. Thank you, Congressman, for mentioning that. I did want to follow up on your assessment of the outlook for the legislation, because there has been a lot of attention focused on our trade relationship with countries like China. This administration has what it describes as a worker-centered policy. We have the select committee on China complementing the work that's underway that you and others have done. So are you optimistic that uh, something can get done here? I am. Uh, We're finding the more people pay attention to our legislation and the reasons for it, the more support that we get. Uh, The select committee you mentioned did an excellent report. In fact, the chair of the select committee uh, put out a three-minute video that gave my speech better than I could. He nailed the problem with de minimis. And the select committee is uh, focusing time and attention on it. So we've we've got the attention, Ways and Means Committee, Select Committee. Um, it is, uh, uh, I mentioned the uh, momentum that we've got in the Senate with uh, bipartisan support. Um, I think that the prospects are extraordinarily positive for making progress actually this year. Well, that is encouraging to hear. And I had one, I guess, last question just in in the framing uh, area. And that is, it seems like these Chinese shopping apps like uh, Xi'an and Timu, you know, their explosion came after the implementation of the Uyghur Forced Labor uh, Prevention Act. And to me, this seems like it's not an accident at all. And I'm wondering if you see it as the same way, that there is this, that you, there was this effort to crack down on, on forced labor. And there's, again, there's this exploitation of this loophole that seems to be happening. Well, those are concurrent activities. I think that notwithstanding the Uyghur forced labor provisions, I think they would continue to exploit this loophole. But the combination of the two, I think, makes it extraordinarily troubling. There's no question that they are using this loophole to escape being accountable for forced labor in China. It is an opportunity for us to protect our values, to have equal enforcement of the law, to be able to make sure that we're protecting the American consumer, as I mentioned earlier, we have no idea what's coming in. There are undoubtedly unsafe products. We've seen a rash of explosions with cheap e-bikes and their batteries catching fire, in some cases resulting in fatalities. This is an opportunity for us to fix a gaping loophole in our trade law, be able to make the Customs and Border Patrol more effective and less overwhelmed and provide some equity in the marketplace. Well, it makes perfect sense to us. I want to commend you for your leadership in shedding light and finding a solution for this Congressman Blumenauer, as as well as your longtime advocacy for a trade policy with strong worker protections, environmental protections, 
it seems like things have been headed that way, which is encouraging. And I know that you've been at the vanguard of that and are grateful for your work. Thank you. I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate the partnership. We're on the same side here in terms of making sure that we've got a trade policy that works for America, that works for working people around the globe, and that strengthens our supply chains and the integrity of the provisions that we have. I look forward to continuing to work with you as we move forward on implementation on this and other items. Great. Thank you very much, Congressman. A good day. Yep, you as well. And that will do it for the Manufacturing Report this week. To find out more about the de minimis legislation, you can go to our website, AmericanManufacturing.org. You can connect with us always on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We tweet at Keep It Made in USA. As always, I'd like to thank the great team at AAM and Brian Aguilar in particular for making this episode of the podcast possible. I'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for engaging with us and for giving us some great episode ideas. Please keep them coming. And while you're at it, if you would kindly leave a review and a rating, we'd be grateful because it will help other listeners who might be interested in this content to find us. I'm Scott Paul, and until next time, together, we can keep it made in America.